The Unconditional Love Podcast is a part of the Youth Citizenship Narrative Project, a project focused on youth experiences with citizenship through various perspectives. These episodes explore the many sites and spaces that provide respite along the journey towards unconditional love. Specifically, our show asks us to think about coming out to oneself, friends and family, and the numerous institutions that frame our lives, as well as the conflict between the fluidity of one's personal sense of becoming and the permanence of one's being to others. Unconditional love contains subject material that some may find upsetting. However, we have tried to present these narratives in an uncensored form as to remain true to the experiences and points of view of our collaborators. Welcome back to another edition of Unconditional Love Season 2, baby. That's right. That's a... Hey, how do you pronounce that? Vuvuzela or Vuvuzela? Um, I, I guess it depends on... It's like a regional dialect kind of situation. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. And today, we have a special guest. Her name is Autumn. And yeah, she's that's here. Me. We also have a guest host. And their name is Evie. And they were actually... Their narrative was the first episode of the first season so a little circling back you know cameo yo hi so this is evelyn everhart um i believe in the amount of time it took to get from that first episode to now um i have finally completed my journey to getting a name for myself so yes i am evelyn matthew everhart um also known as evie and um it is nice to be back today hell yeah all right, let's kick this off. The only question that we plan for this podcast is, t- uh, tell us your coming out story. Where did it begin? That's a really big uh, question. Um, goodness, I-, I guess to like place uh, a time on it, um, I guess I'd probably say sometime back in maybe like 20. 20- 19 2018 might be like the best starting point would you also i forgot to ask would you mind telling us your um like your your gender and your sexuality oh that's probably important yeah so my name's autumn i'm a uh, trans woman and my sexuality i guess is whatever i'm feeling at the time uh that's something that i uh don't really choose to put a label on and that's i don't know maybe we'll discuss that a little bit later but um, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, for for now, just know that I uh, teaser use she/her pronouns, and uh, that's pretty much all you need to know about me. And everyone else should use them as well. Just kidding. Oh well, thank for you for you. I appreciate the I appreciate the <laughs> respect. While we're speaking of pronouns, my pronouns are they them. I forgot to include that. So. My my pronouns are also they them, and now I have some sick wrist tattoos. So every everybody knows in a 50 mile radius because it's like type 72 font anyway slightly italicized that's neither here nor there so go on 2019 right yeah, 2018 2019 um back back in the day i was like yeah i'm totally like a cis straight dude you know just living through life i'm just curious about the lgbt community you know um, and, you know, every every cis straight hat, uh, man is interested in this sort of stuff. So, um, not not every, but 
at least for me, I was like, this is kind of interesting. I wonder what's going on here. I was a psych major, so I was, you know, wanted to like understand people's minds and thought processes and all that cool stuff. So um, my exposure as a kid to uh, queer stuff was a little bit limited. Um, I grew up in kind of a conservative Christian family. Um, all I knew was like gay bad and trans doesn't exist. Mm. So it really took through like um, exposure to the LGBT community just in life. So like gay people in high school, trans people in college, where I was like, oh yes, these people exist and they're people. Um, kind of went from an abstract concept to like, you know, actual human beings um, and sort of kind of transformed from a caricature into like complex situation as every human is. But, you know, I was uh, a little bit younger and less wise, I suppose. Um, so it was about, you know, 2018, 2019, when I started kind of getting into, um, you know, what, what, you know, what's the deal with these queer people? And um, I didn't really talk to any, like, um, gay or trans people very directly. I didn't have any direct, close relationships with these people. So it wasn't until I sort of started getting um, really into this online app called Discord. Um, it's kind of like a, a Skype, Zoom, Slack kind of situation, but it, its emphasis is a little bit more towards uh, like gaming culture and stuff. Are you so, a gamer girl? Um, that is yet to be seen. Wow. I do not wish to disclose that information publicly. I'm so sorry no for e-girl even... status. I can't believe you would accuse me of something like this. I am this. so sorry to <laughs> even ask something so personal in such a public <laughs> forum. Yeah, so it, it was this gaming forum, right? Um, and you meet all sorts of people on the internet. You meet people, you know, from the other side of the world, who, people who are into very different things from you or into very similar things. So it's a very interesting sort of cross-cultural exchange of information ideas, for better or for worse. Um, and so that's sort of my first exposure really to trans people or trans people that I met online. What kind of server um, was it that where you would meet them? Because for those who don't know, the, uh, there are like different channels or different servers within Discord that are usually centered around like a common interest or, or theme. So like what kind of um, servers were you in? Gotcha. So um, I, I guess what I would say is um, it's, it's a little bit complex how I met these people, but, but uh, suffice it to say it was around the interest of Japanese animation um, or anime and I joined the server you know they kind of discuss these things but also just you know to to mess around and chat with with different people who are sort of you know geeky nerdy kind of situation I was um, a little bit lonely and in, in uh, college uh, so this was one of my like social outlets that I had um, and so this is where I kind of was exposed to like my first like real trans people that I talked to and I talked to them and I'm like you know what you you know what you're saying and stuff you know totally makes sense I I feel like I kind of get what's going on here and um I felt you know maybe I was being a little bit presumptuous at first I'm like how you know how could I possibly understand um you know the trans experience when I uh, cis hat straight male um you know, and none of these things. How could you truly understand something if you 
are not literally a part of it. Um, but I, but I also was full of like confidence and pride and that sort of thing. So I was also uh, like anything can be understood uh, scientifically, psychologically, sociologically, and I do now believe that you know you can reach some degree of understanding. But there there are some some things that might uh, be missed. Um, but anyway, suffice it to say, I had this like real interest and affinity for like trans people and what they were about and. The more I talked with them, the more I was like, you know, I kind of get, you know, what you're talking about here. I get, you know, this feeling that you're describing. I kind of, you know, and the more I talked to them, the more I was like, you know, they've got some relatable stuff going on, you know, not not really connecting, you know, my two brain cells together to sort of figure out, oh, there's something, you know, there's a little bit something going on here that's not exactly straight. When um, when you say feelings that you could relate to with trans people, what, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but like what kind of feelings did you relate to? Yeah, so um, I guess I guess some of the more like basic feelings were like um, being sort of against um, masculine stereotypes. And, you know, a lot of people are against like uh, masculine stereotypes of, of uh of being really like tough and unfeeling and um, sort of taking the brunt of uh, of emotional uh, emotional regulation and trying to like you know bury that deep within and um, and also like uh, strength and conquest and all these other sort of things that might be associated and I know there are a lot of people who um, are kind of against these uh, stereotypes. Um, but I, I feel like it's a it's a commonality where it's like, well, I'm I'm not like the other boys, you know. Yeah. I I'm like I'm like cool and and nice and <laughs> and and uh, not these things. Um, and you know, it's not like a signifier of being trans, but it is a kind of a commonality that a lot of at least uh, trans women kind of you know start with like kind of feeling, well, I'm not like the other boys. But um, some people are very directly like, I'm not a boy, or like, I don't want to be a boy. But yeah. sometimes there's like this yeah. uh, degrees of realization, I guess. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because actually you're the very first person I met who wasn't myself, whose trans experience wasn't I knew I was trans since I was one years old. I had the fucking nail clippers ready to chop off my down there um, in the bathtub at the age of four. This is an actual story I heard. <laughs> I'm not oh. just saying random stuff. Um, I did not have that experience at all. I didn't know until I was like 15, 16 years old. Um, and I think it was very much like, I'm not like the other boys. There's actually a lot of clues in retrospect that I wasn't aware of. Like the people around me were aware of. I'm not going to get into it that much because it's, um, it's your story. So I don't want to be here all day, but I will say that I very much relate to your experience of having to figure it out later in life rather than just always knowing. Yeah, and, and not everyone's story is the same, and there might be different reasons for this. I mean, um, for me, I kind of chalk it up to an environment that didn't really facilitate thinking about these kinds of things. I wasn't really allowed to explore um, anything other than, oh, you are a man and you like women and that's kind of how it has to be. Um, so I didn't really have room to like think about, well, is this really what I'm about? Is this really what I 
think or am into? Is this really how I think about myself? Um, so there was that. And also, I just generally wasn't very um, emotionally intelligent, at least towards myself. Um, most of my life, I was very bad at introspection. And it wasn't until like I was, geez, like 21, 22 maybe, where I started like thinking about these things. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should be more aware of my internal processes, you know, maybe that's kind of important as a human being trying to emotionally develop and be a, a real human person. So um, that was sort of one of the things that sort of started getting into, oh, wait a second, why do I have these feelings? What am I thinking here? Um, anyway, so ba back onto the timeline, um, it became this point where I was like, oh, geez, you know, kind of pulling on my collar, sweating a little bit, like, oh, this is getting a little bit too relatable. And so um, some of the, the trans people I was talking to, these trans women, they were like, well, um, you know, we don't want to like prescribe anything to you, but um, maybe you could possibly not be completely cis or something like that. Um, and some of them were a little bit more like straightforward and they're like, uh, you know, you're giving off some heavy <laughs> trans vibes over mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And other people were just like, you know, this is a journey that you have to make for yourself these are questions that you have to ponder um everybody everybody thought i was like gay or something i remember once um all the girls we were like we were like hanging out at lunch and i was like sitting with somebody else but all the girls were like in another corner of the room and they were all like who's most likely in the school to have a gender swap i am overhearing this conversation <laughs> and they're like probably evie and i was like in retrospect, I'm like, how did they figure this out a year before I figured it out? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it was like written all over my face or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, people all thought I was at least gay or something, um, which is weird because I like women and men. Um, I don't really have a particular preference, but a lot of them thought I just liked men because I'd hang out with all the girls all the time, I guess. I don't know. That's interesting to prescribe a sexuality based on your like perceived <laughs> behavior and who you hang out with. <laughs> I think there's a stereotype that gay guys are a girl's best friend. Mm. Diamonds and gay guys are a girl's <laughs> best friend. Right? Yeah. So. Everyone wants a gay best friend. Can you, um, Autumn, can you, what you're describing for me is what I've heard called being an egg or that um, the phenomenon yeah. known as being an egg. Mm -hmm. Can you can you dive into that a little bit because it's related? Oh gosh, yeah. So this is this is what um, some online uh, very online present internet trans people like to call being in being an egg or being in like an eggshell. Um, basically, it's the idea of somebody who believes themselves completely to be cis but it's more of it's they're really in denial over their thoughts and feelings about being trans and this is a whole topic uh unto itself um and there's some like kind of problematic issues about it and relatable topics to, to discuss regarding this whole idea but the the general idea is um, somebody who's trans, but they don't know it yet, but they're getting close. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see cracks forming on the shell, you know, and um, sometimes it's like another closet metaphor, you know, where it's like you don't want to face up to the reality that you might not be um, like the other boys, <laughs> you know, yeah. you might you might 
not be exactly straight or cis or whatever. But yeah, so that's that's the egg analogy. And so, yes, I was definitely an egg at this point. Um, for better or for worse, I was very eggy. Um, and I was had this um, not unhealthy fascination, but an unusual fascination with what it was like to be trans and how do you know if you're trans and how to prove if you're trans, take the trans test, things like this, <laughs> oh like all sorts of things on the internet. My internet search history was incredibly eggy. I mean, the yolk was <laughs> dripping all over. <laughs> I just became vegan. <laughs> yeah, that just single-handedly yeah, made me vegan. Probably for the best. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my, I mean, it, my internet search history would have betrayed my, the heart, my heart. Um, but again, I wasn't really that dialed into myself and there were other things holding me back as well. There was fear of rejection, um, by a conservative family. There was, um, I guess, fear of rejection by society as well. Um, most of the things I hear in the news about trans people are them dying, which, you know, not exactly the best, um, the best representation, representation you know, not the best publicity. It's not, it's not the number one reason why people become trans. Is, is all I'm saying. Um, become trans. Oh gosh, um, that's a can of worms. Anyway, so, anyway, so I was, you know, questioning very hard at this point. I was trying to do research because I wanted to be sure. I had, I wanted like a very hard and fast proof that I was definitely cis or definitely trans, you know, like I needed a definition. I needed some axiom to stand by that would prove to me that whenever I'm like in doubt, like, am I really trans? I could always go back to this axiom and be like, this is proof, 100% guarantee or your money back sort of um, sitch. So that's what I was looking for. I was looking for the undeniable fundamental reality of my being that said I was trans. Did you find it? Yes, I did find it. Oh, lucky I'm still looking. <laughs> well, that's funny you mentioned that because I actually have the answer and if it and it's um if your if your ring finger's longer than your index finger, then you're trans and if your if your index finger's <laughs> longer like than your ring matters. finger, is, that means you're cis. Oh shoot, that's so true. Um, <laughs> that's just some stupid online bullshit that is supposed to be like it's just it's like some middle school meme you know what I mean well it's like the if your hand is bigger than your face and you have a terminal illness or something like and that then they slap you yeah and the then they face. slap you in the face they just want to you know hurt you I mean that was everyone's middle school experience is this how they bully experience. the trans people nowadays it's like oh if your finger is longer than your other finger and then you, they slap you in the face that's the idea okay <laughs> Gosh, we we humans already have so many insecurities. We don't need like finger length insecurities. No, either. no. Anyway, where was I? Oh yes, I was I was looking for that axiom. I was looking for that undeniable core truth about myself. Um, this was this at this point. This was a year long journey of flip flopping back and forth, spending um, partially sleepless nights, uh, sweating, and just being anxious and just curling up in a ball um feeling afraid and scared and um and just like you know if my family knew 
Like, what would happen? Would I be kicked out on the streets? Would they accept me and love me? Would we have an uneasy understanding? Would they just ignore it? Like, I, I had no idea because, you know, my relationship with my parents. I mean, let's get into let's get into all the nitty gritty. Let's get really <laughs> personal here. I mean, I know before we were like very casual and distant, but let's like let's let's bring it in yeah. here. Let's get like. I just didn't have a very like emotional connection with my parents. That's that's basically it. We didn't yeah. really talk about stuff, you know. If we had issues, we find a different outlet for it, yeah. you know, because uh, reasons. I don't know. That's just that's just my family culture. We just don't talk about our issues enough, um, and just kind of bury it deep inside. And that's how I learned to uh, think about emotions, and that's why it took so long to unravel this. So I do chalk it up to about a year. Um, of me just wrestling with this question on and off, um, having months of time where I'm like, I'm definitely, definitely cis and straight, you know? And other ones where I'm like, oh my God, if they found out, you know, I'd totally, I'm, I'd be screwed, you know? My life is over, but not really. But I thought so, you know? Cause that's how I felt too. That's how, you know, that's how fear is. Um, especially fear of the unknown is so much, uh, is, is really something that I've had to like come to terms with, um, you know, given the, the current year and the current situation going on. But um, yeah, so that's something that I struggled with for a while. And I mean, a lot of stuff happened then, but suffice it to say, just, you know, shortened version, kind of flip-flopping back and forth on the whole question until I found that golden nugget of truth. And that golden nugget, for me at least, Everyone has a different nugget or no nug at all. But for me, it was um, cis het, uh, men don't, you know, cry themselves to sleep at night thinking that they might be trans, usually. Um, at least in my case, I was like, I spent a year worrying about this, and most people don't really do that. Um, this might actually be kind of a big deal. And if that's any indicator, you know, any litmus test of of the my internal self was this struggle you know the struggle itself was kind of proof of this and how drawn out it was um and of course there's um you know confirmation truth bias i don't know how to say it but once i started and um, once i started accepting that truth about myself and internalizing that that's when um i sort of felt kind of like a switch go off as far as like my uh, emotional maturity, my understanding of myself and sort of beginning to live my life in a way that made me feel better and happier and led to a season of my life where I was happier than I'd ever been in my entire life, which is like, you know, honestly, the, the golden ticket, the, the golden standard for for uh, what everyone wants their experience to be um, as a queer person. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm like trying, I'm like listening to your story is really interesting because I'm noticing, like I'm comparing, I'm contrasting my story to yours. Um, and I think that's really interesting. One of the big differences, because I've had a lot of similarities with your story, but I think this is where the things diverged was, um, I grew up really poor and I grew up homeless actually. And I was born into the world with this idea that I was automatically rejected. 
And so coming out as trans didn't feel as difficult. I didn't have that same existential crisis of, oh, is everybody going to reject me? I'm like, the people who rejected me already rejected me, and the people who like me already like me. So <laughs> nothing much was really going to change. I was, I was definitely afraid of, am I going to be killed? Because I would read the articles and news. So I was definitely afraid of like white supremacists. Because where I was living in high school, there was a lot of white supremacists, a lot of you know, conservative people who are more than just outspoken about their ideas, but violent. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely worried about that. But rejection, I was like, look, the people who like me like me and the people who hate me hate me. Like, <laughs> um, so I wasn't really that concerned. Um, I was never somebody who was too concerned with rejection, except for in romance, where I'm very concerned about being rejected. <laughs> but I'm usually not somebody who's typically concerned about being rejected. But I, I think that's interesting how like growing up middle class means that there's a there's a falling that can happen, right? Will I be kicked out on the streets? It's not really a concern when you're already poor, you know. Oh yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of uh, of like wealth privilege going on here, and it's I mean, ba based off of the next part of the story, you'll see how like truly privileged I have been in my position and just kind of the events that unfolded very fortunate and a lot of things that happened because it you know it doesn't always turn out like this sometimes uh stories you know turn get a turn for the worse but i mean honestly it was kind of like the opposite effect where i was like in a rut in my life and like full of self-hatred and stuff and then like things turned around so um for the better generally speaking um so I guess we could start getting into that, the actual coming out part. You know, this is all set up, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I was just going to ask, who's the first person you came out to and what was that like? All right. So the first person that I came out to was my lovely sister, Emma. She, um, so I am the oldest kid in my family and there are two younger than me. Both of them are sisters. And I first came out to... Um, well, I think I might have come out to some of my friends too, but basically people who I sort of knew their ideas and politics and that sort of thing and knew that they were kind of, you know, more, um, less conservative, more uh, progressive, more accepting and understanding of LGBT situations. Um, so those were sort of the people that I came out to first. Um, and the overwhelming consensus from these people or reactions were basically like, huh, okay. And I never would have guessed. All right. And, you know, I didn't really know how to take that, but I'm like, hey, that's better than getting punched in the face. You know, that's better than outright rejection or just like. Better than a kick in the pants like, or whatever ew. they say. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, you got it. You're joking. You know, you're really, you're pulling my leg here, right? So um, that was cool. That was sort of my test run. You know, I, I chose the safest subjects first. That includes my sister, Emma, because I knew her situation a little bit better than my other sister, Julie. But um, yeah, so I I kind of came out to her first and she was totally overwhelmingly accepting. And she was like, that is so cool. You know, do you have like a new, like a, a name that you've chosen for yourself? You know, do you, you know, what are your pronouns? That sort of thing. So she was like totally 100% um, just out there ally. And I was just like, this is, what I this is what I was aiming for. I'm so glad that I have someone on my side and not just someone on my side, but somebody on my side in my family who can advocate for me because like having to defend yourself against all your family members all the time is exhausting. So it's always <laughs> yeah. nice to have some confederates who can, you know, you can kind of uh, 
jump in front of jump into the fray with you and kind of like help um help with interpersonal familial conflict yeah mm-hmm. so, mediate the situation yes and at that point i was like i was riding high i was like sweet i got one sister on board i'm sure the other <laughs> one's gonna be totally fine so so i i messaged her and she was she was a very similar way i texted mm-hmm. her and she was like also very cool and accepting she's a very kind and loving person my sisters are amazing i could i could talk about how cool and epic they are all day long um but yeah so then so then of course um there was uh the scary part which is telling my parents um because i lived with my parents at the time and uh as of this recording i still do um so that sort of you know gives you a little hint that i didn't get kicked out on the street um spoiler alert spoiler alert i know i'm getting ahead of myself here so um part of my research onto hey am i really trans or not um was going to this uh group at my school i went to ucsd um you know down in sd san diego and um they had this uh sort of uh queer support group called the coming out group and it was basically this thing where people could uh, semi-anonymously come together and discuss their experience of coming out or not coming out, being in the proverbial closet, um, or if you're questioning, or just wherever you are, it was kind of this very open space where you could come in and discuss these things and talk about um, sort of nuances with other queer folk who are either in the closet, halfway out the closet, one foot in, one foot out, dancing between, you know. (laughs) Um, whatever the case may be, um, it, it was like this cool space where people could talk about these things. And me, as a totally cis het, but you know maybe a little bit questioning um, person, wanting to kind of figure out you know what what these people thought processes are. This was on my pursuit to finding that nugget of truth. What are other people's nuggets if they have them? And so that was my mechanism of you know doing some on the ground research you know as opposed to my very suspicious uh, search history <laughs> you're very methodical very scientific approach to, oh to yeah this. hey that's what you get for being a psych major you know <laughs> not really but kind of um so yeah i was very methodical because i wanted this ultimate proof i felt like i felt like if I'm going to be questioning forever, it's going to hurt too much. I need something that I can mm. like stamp out the fires of doubt or whatever the case may be. So I was going to this group like every week. Um, so what I did, I did this super, super cowardly thing, which honestly, I wouldn't, maybe it's not cowardly. It was more like a self-defense sort of thing. So what I did was I, co- I um, composed a very long text message, sent it to my mom while she was at work she was at work um and then immediately after i put my phone on silent and i went into the coming out meeting and i'm like i'm gonna come out of the other side and see what her response is Mm. so i go in and i tell the group for the first time oh yes i'm definitely trans because i was one of those people who um once i found the nugget you know like the night before this was the night before i was like oh this is it i i pulled the trigger on it i'm like all right let's get this thing rolling you know all right, I'm trans. What does that mean for me? All right, I figured it out, and I'm like, all right, I want, I want the hormones. I want to transition in this way. I want to start getting more feminine clothing because that's what you know, that's what I'm into, right? Um, so I, I was like, let's let's start talking to people. Let's start let's start 
telling people about my situation because now I am very confident in what I've got going on. I have that axiom. I've got the nug. So, um, dank nugs. Yeah, that golden ticket, that that shining nugget that I found, the diamond in the rough. We're running out of metaphors here. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's so um, I really pulled the trigger on it, you know, and so I sent the text message, went into the group, and was like, "I we're gonna see what happens when I'm out." Um, real quick, I just wanted to, when you said pull the trigger on that, like something in me clicked and it reminded me of like a very specific night when I was like 13 figuring out that I wasn't straight. I didn't really know about gender stuff then. I felt like weird, but I didn't have a word for it. But like bisexual was a word that existed. (laughs) So I... I just remember, like, staring at a air conditioning vent in the guest room because I felt weird about... I was, at a, I was at a Hanukkah sleepover. I'm not Jewish, but I had a lot of Jewish friends for some reason. And they mm-hmm. were like, whatever, come to the thing. And um, I felt like I shouldn't be with them because I felt, like, wrong. I don't know. We were yeah. all just, like, sleeping on the floor. It didn't matter. But I was like... Dude, I have to separate myself because I felt maybe disgusted a little bit, which was sad. But um, but yeah, that's that was kind of an epiphany when I was just like looking up at the vent and I'm like, you've been thinking about this too long for it to not be significant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then shortly after, I decided to come out to some of my to some of my friends. Um, anyway that just like it just like unlocked a memory and it kind of freaked me out I don't know anyway so you pulled the trigger and what was the response yeah so I pulled the trigger um and once I got out of that you know that group um I checked my text messages and um (laughs) the response was some something along the lines of uh I think we'll have to talk when we get home. I'm at Oof. work right now. And like, basically, uh, I I felt kind of bad. I was like, I should have waited until she wasn't in the middle of the work day. <laughs> but, you know, it's not like there was any really convenient time to tell my conservative Christian parents that they have a, uh, a uh, trans uh, queer person in their family. Um, especially when, at least to them, there were no signs. So it was kind of out of left field for them. And it was yeah. very confusing. They felt have... blindsided. Mm. You didn't have a bunch of friends who were girls. And also you didn't do the this thing all the time. And you weren't me. Yeah, my, <laughs> my lists were very, very turgid. They were not one <laughs> at all. Your wrists were <laughs> turgid. Yeah, I don't know what the word for like <laughs> flipping the wrist is. I don't even do that anymore. I don't know why I was ever doing that, but... Yeah, I, I didn't I don't have any like mannerisms and I feel like um this is very okay, this is very this is not real evidence, you know, this is like very um how do you call it? Um just something I've seen just kind of in the wild out there on the streets. A phenomenon. A phenomenon, an observed phenomenon. Um that like a lot of so I'm I'm kind of primarily attracted to feminine people in general. Um, I kind of have that kind of slant. So my whole life, I'm like, yeah, I like girls. So I never had to like 
question my sexuality, which means I didn't ask those questions, which means that it took me until later in life where I was actually asking these things. Um, and so therefore there weren't any obvious signs, you know, and I wasn't, I mean, even now I'm not like a particularly feminine person. Um, I, you know, maybe in, in some ways here and there, but like, so it, it's not like there is something in my nature that like betrayed some kind of internal transness that was always there just waiting to germinate. Um, but yeah, so, so there were no signs uh, my, my, my parents were very confused and like a lot of my friends were like, Oh, didn't see that coming. All right, then. Um, they were just like, you've got to be, you know, you, you are definitely mistaken. Um, so yeah, like it was, it was a different reaction, a little bit more like you are wrong That's... <laughs> about this and let's talk about it. Yeah. I don't know why parents seem so out of, I've never been a parent, obviously I've never expressed having children in my life, but, um, and so I don't understand a parent's point of view, but like, um, I remember I was watching this documentary. It's called, it's on like Netflix. It's called like Pray It Away or something or Pray Away. Mm -hmm. And the documentary near the end, you know, like in documentaries, they always have like, this is a documentary about like conversion therapy and they have the people who survive conversion therapy, but they have the one person who's no longer trans in quotes mm. and still doing the conversion therapy thing. And um, as like the counter person. And um, they were calling like a mother who had a child who came out as trans and the mother was like, I knew that was a lie. I knew it was a lie. My child then went away and abandoned me and I know it's wrong and I know it's a lie and I know it's not true. And there's like this like really strong feeling. I don't think it's just trans things. I think parents just have this, parents are against their kids being surprising. <laughs> I, I don't think parents like their children to plot twist them. Well, it's easier yeah. to plot twist your parents, again, when you have a very, like, distant, emotionally distant relationship with them, because if there were signs, which there doesn't have to be, you know, everyone's, everyone is different, but there don't have to be signs in, in gigantic, uh, bold air quotes, yeah. um, but even if there were signs, they probably wouldn't have noticed them. Mm. I mean, the signs they were looking for is like, oh, do they, like, Barbies more than Hot Wheels, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do they have this big attraction to the color pink more than the color blue? <laughs> all the arbitrary know? shit, right? Yeah, all the stuff that's like, well, to be honest, you are the one who put the Hot Wheels in my hands, you know? Yeah. And it's not, listen, I did play Barbies with my sisters. We just did very, um, very not cute things um we had like barbie pit fights and things like that Fuck you know yeah, and um <laughs> maybe getting a little bit graphic here but sometimes barbies would be hung for their crimes um you know parts of the caribbean style you know you know piracy is not oh, accepted in the barbie playhouse um <laughs> so these were the the things that uh you know might have been signs i don't know that could have been overlooked but i don't know I, I don't think signs are as important as how do I feel now? Yeah. What do I want out of life? What, how, what do I see myself as? And, and so on and so forth and, and forthwith. Um, so yes, my, my parents were blindsided and I had to go home to have this conversation with, with them. I had it with my mom first because I didn't want to tell my dad because I knew that my, my dad was 
I don't want to say like less reasonable, but he's a very, um, he's kind of a more set in his ways person. And it takes a lot of slow, gentle pressure over time for him to change his mind about things. Um, and he, so he's a little bit of stubbornness, a little bit of uh, ideological inertia, um, as it were. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and my mom is a little bit more open to listening to what I have to say without making up her mind first. At least that was my impressions. So that's why I sort of talked to her first about it. And then um, as we sort of discussed this with each other, you know, my thoughts and feelings, my conclusions and that sort of thing, then came the sort of invasive uh, questions that sort of um, betrayed some of their underlying assumptions and thoughts about gay and trans people. This is where I sort of discovered um, uh, where they asked me, like, were you molested? you know, Mm. uh, recently ever as a child, you know, things like this, things that they believed would turn someone gay or trans, you know, or was there any like trauma? How did you figure this out? Oh, maybe these trans people you were talking to convinced you that you were trans. And I feel like that was a narrative they kind of uh, stuck to uh, over time was that I have been deceived by a by queer ideology, you know, the alphabet people totally What's the ideology? Anyways, I, they never say what it is. They don't. I never learned it. Um, <laughs> queer people don't even agree on what the fuck the ideology is. Yeah. I mean, I totally got, I got converted, you know, I got brainwashed. <laughs> I went into, um, uh, let's not get into Scientology here, but I went, oh my God. I went to the golden LGBT uh, campus and uh, I got re-educated about the truth about uh, what I like. You know, mm-hmm. they told me. Anyway, uh, jokes aside. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting to bring to bring signs back to those invasive questions. I'm realizing, like, feels like um some people like n- have this need for some kind of equation, like some kind yeah. of like yeah cut and dry, um a plus b equals c. stuff like that like apparently it doesn't matter whether you're you're questioning or you know questioning yourself or other people are questioning you to be honest like and that sucks because there isn't an equation yeah and I mean as much as I was searching for that like undeniable proof that I was trans um I feel like my parents wanted proof but they want a different proof and the proof would have had to have been retroactive to their understanding of how things work in the world. Mm. Um, and even so, even if I fit all these criteria of showing signs and being abused as a child and think all these things that they thought were, you know, how you become gay or trans, um, even so, like, I don't know if that would have been enough to convince them that it was okay to be gay or trans because mm. um, from their worldview conservative uh, Christianity is you know being homosexual is a sin and being trans doesn't exist mm. or else um, you're just denying uh, what God has mandated your role in life is going to be um, so that so I, I feel like at that point there wasn't really any 
there wasn't any proof that I could possibly offer that would satisfy them, mm. um, nor were they really looking for anything to prove that I was trans. In fact, they were trying to, I guess, um, understand where I was coming from and figure out why I just threw them this big old curveball that changed their conception about who I was and how awkward family gatherings might have to be in the future. Um, and every other implication about that. Um, so during this time, it was very hard on my parents, um, which, I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to like uh, diminish their feelings, but also um, I feel like it was also kind of hard on me at this point in time as well, yeah. because they've kind of got this curveball and this kind of reckoning with who their child says that they are and realize to be and how they didn't get to see all this thought process and wrestling and crying myself to sleep and crying in the bathtub and all this other fun, exciting, horrible things that I was wrestling with over the past year or so. Um, that sort of helped prove to me uh, sort of this realization that I came to. Um, they didn't see any of that. So this is all very sudden to them. And they're like trying, they're like reeling. They're like trying to figure out what's going on, what this means and, and so on kind of having to like reshape their conceptualization of this person that they've known for their entire life um, to be one way, but now is something completely different, but not really. That's the secret. I didn't really change at all that much. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that that's kind of where I was. But, you know, here are the, the brass horns over the hill. Here comes the infantry. The cavalry is coming over the hill on a new horizon, my lovely and amazing sisters come to save the day when the night seems dark and <laughs> the darkest. They are here to uh, save our family, save our family dynamic and bridge the gap between this new strange queer queer in the corner and my parents. Um, yes, indeed. They basically <laughs> laid down, they, they laid down the law as it were. They put their foot down. They're like, hey, um, if we're picking sides, like, if if we're picking sides here, we pick Autumn. We pick our sister over you guys. So, like, if you're going to, like, you know, try to distance yourself from her, if you're going to kick her out or if you're going to, um, you know, isolate her from yourselves, you're going to lose three daughters. Like, we're spending Thanksgiving with Autumn, you know, if this, ha you know, basically this ultimatum of like you got to get with the program here um you guys need to educate yourselves you guys need to learn about her feelings and sort of this is important you know like and it's not that hard <laughs> all i really ask i don't ask for you to change your mind all i really was asking was please call me autumn and please say she her and if we have a major disagreement about my existence Let's not talk about it. It's better, you know, it's it's like... Work it's like, it out on your own. Yeah, it's something that you do with family and roommates, people that you're forced to live with, you know. If you have some big beef, you shelve it, you table it, you know. You can't... Ha it's going to tear... You're, you're going to make each other miserable if you have to, like, live in conflict constantly mm -hmm. about some difference in thought or ideology. So, you know, this is sort of like this uneasy alliance that we kind of had to come to. But, you know, think... Thank the universe, thank God, thank um, Buddha, thank whoever, 
whoever is in charge of everything. I, 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 Buddha. The he's, Lord he's that dead. governs oh. this land. Yeah, the Lord that think, Buddha's think dead. Like, the Lord <laughs> that. Yeah, he's not ruling over anything. He's gone. He's, sorry, that was funny. It caught yeah, me in my surprise. <laughs> right. So think. Be grateful, just in general. Let's be grateful yes. uh, that my sisters were there to swoop in at the last second and save the day and save my relationship with my parents and also defend my honor. Um, that was that was probably like one of you know one of the things that made me really really love my sisters, how they really came through for me. And you know, I feel extremely lucky and grateful that this was the case that they like really helped. Um, you know, bridge this gap. And so, you know, over the next few months or so, um, whenever they would say my dead name or whenever they would misgender me, my parents, whenever they would do these things, my sisters would correct them and I would correct them and sort of help them get used to this, this basically just this new way of addressing me, which is really the only change. Um, and over time, there is, you know, a little bit more like back and forth pressure just a little bit you know as far as i had made up my mind i wanted to take hormones you know i wanted to start doing some life-altering body changing surgeries and all this other fun stuff that some trans people like to do um in their free time and uh, <laughs> but my parents were like very you know they were still very like uneasy about this thing They're like hey let's not get too hasty i'm like what do you mean hasty i've found my nugget i've been wrestling for this for over a year you don't know you don't know me <laughs> you know so so i had already made up my mind i was pulling the trigger i was ready to go and so, you know, I was seeing that gender therapist. I was jumping through every hoop, checking off every box, uh, being kept at every gate, you know, as yeah. I was trying to, to navigate uh, this this medical nightmare monstrosity that is the American health care system, especially for trans people, especially Kaiser Permanente. Yeah. Oh, Fuck Kaiser, Kaiser, by the way. Um, Kaiser. <laughs> Sorry. I, have a lot I love of feelings. you. Thank you for giving me my uh, my titty skittles, but also... You guys make it really hard sometimes to like you. Yeah. So, <laughs> titty skills, by the way, for everybody uh, who doesn't isn't in the joke is the uh, spiro. Is it spiro? Um, well, titty titty skittles are um, whatever uh, physical pill hormonal treatment that is your choice. Um, I am currently on <laughs> I am currently on estradiol and spironolactone. Uh, Interesting. For those of you who like uh, who like chemicals and science and fun things like this, estradiol is basically the uh, edible form of estrogen, um, or one of many estrogens that uh, helps do two things: it raises your estrogen levels and it lowers your testosterone levels because hormones are uh, self and interregulating. Just like that, a zero sub game. Um, Wait, I don't think that <laughs> yeah, works. Yeah, the there. war, the <laughs> war on testosterone had begun. I'm learning new things. Yeah, actually, I never did hormones. I never. Did, I literally went through no medical treatment outside of some gender therapy I had in high school. Um, my uh -huh. high school was really split on their opinion of me, and um, I felt like some people in the school were really nervous about my existence, and other people in the school were happy to get me a free gender therapist. So Aww. I had a gender therapist who was trans, which was really cool. Heck yeah. But um, I never got any medical treatment outside of that. And I think this is something interesting that um, I don't think we're going to explore it today because we're just it's just your coming out story. But um, like what kind of medical treatments do different people want? Because mm -hmm. not everybody wants the same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For me, I, you know, I want I want the whole kit and caboodle. I want, you know, 
uh, I, I want to go into the doctor doctor's office and be like, just fuck my shit up, fam. You know, <laughs> just like, just we're gonna remodel the whole entire place, just tear out the old walls. You know, we're gonna put stucco up scrape off the popcorn ceiling no we're adding the popcorn ceiling all right we're getting groovy ceiling. here we eat shag carpets everything <laughs> oh shit <laughs> hell yeah, yeah that's what i like to hear yeah i'm nostalgic for a decade that i've never lived in not really <laughs> um anyway yeah so uh where were we ah uh, yes education um spironolactone is a basically just a testosterone inhibitor that's one of the side effects um Sometimes uh, other people will take it for other reasons, regulating a blood pressure or something of the sort. But the side effect is that it actually uh, suppresses testosterone. So I take these both in tandem. Estradiol has a little bit of testosterone limiting effects, and then spironolactone takes me home. It gets me where I want to be, you know. <laughs> Not at zero, because it's an important hormone. Hormones are important. Your body needs them to survive and do all sorts of important things. Yeah. But just at a kind of a low level. Mm -hmm. There's some bodily changes involved here. Some of them reversible, some irreversible, um, uh, some of them semi-reversible. Listen, the Hormones research- Hormones are insane. That's they're insane. So and the research is not really that strong. Mm. Um, and a lot of the research is about trans women because trans women are very high profile, you know? Many an 80s movie has them as the main villain, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> very high profile. People have very big opinions on- um, on men betraying their gender or whatever the case may be <laughs> you know, whatever the conceptualization is i i always thought it was like a negative thing to be seen as the villain but you know i kind of like being the threat i'm like <laughs> they see me as a threat <laughs> like I mean, i'm scary for some reason like these noodly arms and and this cute outfit is a giant threat to somebody's existence and that's funny to me it's it's subversive it I rocks guess. people's worldview just by putting on a fucking skirt it's like I know. that's it's... is if that's rocking your worldview go to I'm... scotland honestly <laughs> yeah <laughs> then go to, go to scotland because you're gonna have a ride of your life anyway oh yeah it's gonna be very confusing for you there um <laughs> yeah so yeah so i wanted to get i wanted to get on the pill on a different pill <laughs> i wanted to get that um antihistamines those titty skittles you know there are a million other euphemisms uh freaking uh trans girl online meme culture is going strong it's never been better and it is very it is very insular though it is very not insular but it's like very there are a lot of inside jokes and you kind of have to be like accustomed to it to kind of have any understanding this strange things going on references to to my my gaming socks you know my coding outfit Blah. what are these things you know i don't know we're talking about eggs here and skittles i am very confusion right mm -hmm. now so uh we can do some research later about what all these strange euphemisms mean um and they are very <laughs> hilarious at least to me a trans woman anyway so i wanted to get on board with this i wanted to do so let's get some irreversible stuff going on you know let's let's you know let's Fuck my shit up, fam. You know, we're getting in there. Mm -hmm. um, and my parents were very apprehensive about this. And my parents' opinion is obviously very important to me because I live with them and also I love them and I want to have any relationship at all with them. Um, which I'm sure some people can relate to and some people don't relate to. And, you know, but we're getting sidetracked here. Suffice it to say, they were not on board. They were resistant. They're like, you know, maybe think about it. And I'm like, hey, uh, mom, dad, 
I'm not actually saying this for for real because getting emotionally intimate with my parents are you kidding me it, you know <laughs> I've gone this long without doing it so why would I but I am rap I'm, I'm rapidly balding have you dad have you looked in the mirror like you are my future right now <laughs> oh my and I don't know about you but like I mean listen some some bald chicks are like you know like like really like smoking but like that's not a look that I want to try to pull off because <laughs> not yet at least because like like Evie I've got the noodle arms here like I I don't know I feel like I feel like baldness requires a certain aesthetic you know mm. like like you gotta be like swole or you gotta have like sunglasses you know you gotta <laughs> but that's not that's not me I don't like sunglasses. I have regular glasses and prescriptions are expensive enough. I don't want to get a sunglass prescription as well. I know I live in sunny California. I know that it's like super bright outside and I'm probably going to get cataracts when I'm older. But like, I, you know, one pair of glasses is good enough for me. All right. And they're iconic. All right. They are. Everybody recognizes me by my glasses. I'm very sorry that I mentioned this so late in the recording, by the way, because people are probably imagining me however they wanted to without glasses, but now they have to like... Now they have to change, just like your parents had to change their oh, whole perception God. of you, now every listener has to completely rewrite whatever... <laughs> I'm Mental sorry, I'm image, just whatever caricature you have in, you know, however you're imagining me looking, erase it completely. We have to go back Start to the drawing over. board. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> goodness gracious, where were we? Very resistant to me making reversible changes to my body, but I was like, I'm an adult. I'm going to do it anyway. And they were like, I, uh, well, you have to use your own money for this. You can stay on the insurance, but uh, we don't want you to use our, uh, we, we were not going to give any of our money basically to help you do these things. And I'm not like, not subsidized. It is not subsidized by your parents. Um, it is subsidized only by their insurance, which, um, Thank goodness my mom has a city job, <laughs> so it's very good insurance. So my co-pays were reduced, not in, not necessarily inexpensive, but reduced for my, uh, you know, my transgender tax that I have to pay every few months um, mm -hmm. <laughs> for for hormones and 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 whatnot. But um, yeah, so I went along with it anyway. I I I am deep in in the the hormonal treatments and all that and maybe someday I might get the surgery um <laughs> that is so iconic that every single I know, sorry. <laughs> let me get let me just like have a moment of silence for everyone to gasp collectively. <gasps> I know. Um but every trans woman is supposed to have uh apparently but not really. You can do whatever you want with your body. It turns out that your body is your own and you can like, you can, you can like kind of do what you want with it. No one out. tells you that, but we no just No one tells did. you that, but like you can be a trans woman and like not have the surgery if you don't want to. Um, everyone does things differently and whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, like we had mentioned earlier, there's no one way to be trans there's no one way to receive that unconditional love that we are all eventually searching for. And it's an ongoing process, but it seems as though you've been able to grab a hold of at least a piece of it. And that's really, that's nice to hear. Oh, yeah. Like, it's uh, it's pretty nice. I mean, 
once I sort of got came to this realization and started kicking things into gear, that's when things kind of fell into place for me. It's where I was more in touch with my own emotions. I was being genuinely who I wanted to be and was being, you know, being true to myself and everyone else and that sort of thing. And um, gosh, I mean, we could talk about my sexuality, but that's a whole gray area. And for me, at least the big like, uh oh, like a uh, blind side situation was um, being trans. And then it's like everything else was just kind of OK and uh, acceptable. I guess it wasn't a surprise at that point. That was the big reveal, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah. So at that point, that's when I could start sort of loving myself and accepting, uh, you know, more genuine relationships and loving relationships with other people because it's it's hard to uh, get into interpersonal relationships if you are very confused about yourself. Mm. So yeah, definitely feeling that unconditional love from. Uh, my parents and my uh, sisters and all of my friends honestly blessed and fortunate and all those other good things nice evie any final thoughts it was so awesome hearing your story because i feel less alone in minds and um i think like what we were saying with the news you only ever hear like dead shot killed you know, other horrible atrocities that I'm not going to get into. And every day I live, I meet gay and trans people who are happy and successful, or at least they're making it through the day, right? At the very least, they're making it through (laughs) the day, right? And I feel like, you know, when we talk about coming out, we talk about the liberation of queer people, but I kind of wish people who weren't queer, like even just cis straight people, saw this as a form of liberation for themselves as well because if we're free then you're free to live as you want to be you know so it is inspiring to hear your story and to hear that you dealt with a very difficult situation and made it through um my my i am not as diplomatic as you are um and methodical my solution to any conflict is i am right and you are wrong and if you do not agree then i am leaving or you are leaving (laughs) right i'm not very like the way i would have dealt with your parents would have been completely different if i were you i would have just told them that this is my stance you're either with me or against me and i have no love for people who don't agree and you see this in my life i only make friends with people who i mean obviously you can't find people who agree with you on everything when it comes to being trans, you better agree with me on a lot of things. Otherwise, we're not going to be friends. Um, yeah, you can't just like disagree with my existence. No, it's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so <laughs> I I think honestly, like as much as I'm prideful and stubborn, it's nice to hear that you know you were able to find your way and still find happiness with um, the relationship we had your parents because it took me. I stopped talking to any of my parental figures, my foster parents, my biological mother. I just stopped talking to all of them for years and years and years and years and years. Um, so I, I'm glad to see that you found a different way around that. And I think a lot of people need to hear that. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for uh, making the drive. I know I drew, drove, but you're going <laughs> to drive back. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. I hope that's that you know I got something out of it. Evie got something out of it, and I hope you, the listener, get something out of it as well. Um, And that is going to do it for today's episode. I hope everyone has a wonderful day, and keep finding 
keep finding love where you can. Media Archive.